Hello, I'm Susan Raff, and welcome to Real Talk. We have a serious conversation today, and that is women's reproductive rights. And ever since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, there has been a sense of shock and backlash all over the country, and we're seeing a lot of ramifications from that. Uh, Some states, at least a dozen, have doubled down and made abortion illegal. Uh, Other states, like Connecticut, uh, have introduced legislation to create not only more access to birth control, but also uh, to having uh, an abortion. Uh, But the recent decision uh, by Walgreens uh, not to prescribe or dispense or have sell, I should say, uh, an abortion pill in some states has caused a lot of controversy. And now lawmakers in our state have decided that we shouldn't do business uh, with uh, Walgreens. So with that, I wanted to have an in-depth conversation with Angela Maddy, who is a professor at Quinnipiac University, who specializes in public health and law. And I think this is one of those conversations where there's a combination of both. So we want to thank you and welcome to Real Talk. Well, thank you for having me, Susan. I'm delighted to be here and uh, still trying to get my head around why we're having these conversations four decades later. But uh, happy to, to have a discussion with you on this important subject. And I think as you and I have talked, I mean, we're going to have these conversations uh, for a while, because even though the decision is still very fresh, it's almost a year, right? Uh, June 24th, I believe, uh, was the day. Um, and it's not a simple uh, situation. Um, Connecticut has really... Um, uh, many lawmakers, bipartisan, are making birth control more accessible. Uh, they are protecting a woman's right to have an abortion. As you know, some states now, even if you go to another state, uh, will prosecute And uh, so let's talk about Walgreens and some of these big pharmaceutical chains. Uh, It came out uh, recently. I mean, January, both uh, Walgreens and uh, even CVS said that they were going to uh, seek certification of this drug. But now they're being very selective on the states that they will do business with. So uh, tell me about this abortion pill. It's been legal uh, for uh, over 20 years uh, over, I think, 5 million people use it, and it's used for other things. Yes. So, as you said, this pill went through the rigorous FDA clinical approval process. So, it's deemed clinically a good drug to use, good in terms of a clinical perspective. It's been on the market for about two decades, and it also has, like many drugs, other uses, uh, treatments for ulcer and miscarriages and things like that. Um, Right now, the uh, Walgreens and the CBS's retail chains have found themselves in the middle of probably the most polarizing issue of our generation. I don't think they anticipated this to happen but they are in the middle of it right now. Um, the uh, drug requires certification. So the, uh, the Federal Drug Administration requires a certain class of drugs, a very narrow class of drugs. Um, they call them REMS, Risk Evaluation Mitigation 
strategies associated with it. So if you want to prescribe it, you have to be able to date pregnancies. You need to have the ability to diagnose, you know, tubular atopic pregnancies, provide follow-up care. Pharmacies have to have certain expertise to be certified. That's what Walmart means. And patients have to sign a patient agreement form. And uh, right now, Walgreens did come out with a statement saying that they will dispense it where it's in legal jurisdictions once certified by the FDA, once they go through this whole process. And that's my understanding right now that there are 12 states that they would not dispense in, right? Those are 12 states uh, that have banned abortion. Uh, but what's interesting, I think, in this is that Connecticut is not one of those states, uh, but yet some Democratic lawmakers feel strongly uh, that uh, Connecticut needs to stand up for women in other states. Um, is that a slippery slope? I know California recently, as we talked about, uh, did something pretty uh, significant. They canceled or they're planning to con- cancel a contract of some $54 million with Walgreens if they do this. And California would not be, California is like Connecticut, right? Right. So, so you know, as you correctly identified, a governor of California has threatened to, you know, put some large financial sanctions if, if in fact, it happens. There's actually two things going on in Connecticut. The first, we just had uh, Max Blumenthal and Max Flexner, who are the co-chairs of the uh, Government Administration Election Committee, introduced a bill. The bill is HB 6905, as we like to do, put a lot of numbers. Um, The title of the bill is an act concerning state contracting and dispensing sale and distribution certification for pharmacy. And basically what this introductory bill says, they're going to require an affirmative statement where attached to that will be a penalty um, associated with false statement. If um, pharmacies have a policy of declining to suspense any reproductive health care medication where doing so is legally permitted. So Essentially, what uh, Representative Blumenthal and Flexer have done is something similar, tied financial um, constraints or penalties to refusing to dispense the drug. That's the first thing. There's also two very interesting cases right now that um, will have a significant impact on this. The first case is the case in Washington, where... Connecticut state attorney generals have joined this case. And one of the major issues in that case is saying the the REMS, the thing that we started talking about, the, the, the paperwork and the certification required to dispense this drug, um, our Democratic attorney generals and uh, several other states' attorney generals are saying that that is too burdensome. Um, in terms of dispensing, you know, it, it is different than the majority of other drugs where pharmacies don't have to be certified. Patients don't have to sign a form. 
and um, providers don't have to be certified. You highlighted something that I want to backtrack a little bit. Some of this um, pressure not for Walgreens and other pharmaceutical chains not to sell this drug uh, came from a letter that was sent to them uh, by a group of attorneys general uh, in Republican states who basically warned them that if they sell this drug, there will be legal consequences. So that's part of this as well. I mean, that really makes it very political, I think. It's very political. You know, it. I had the privilege um, some years ago of being a Robert Wood Johnson fellow on the U.S. Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. And my mentor and the staff director at the time told me that and this holds true a number of years later, there's nothing more political than this particular issue. And it really is a polarizing issue. And, you know, I'm of a certain age. The fact that we are revisiting this issue just has me dumbfounded. I think a lot of people did not uh, anticipate that. I know that there have been you know, over the years, a lot of attempts to try to push the Supreme Court to do so uh, and has not. But, you know, politically here in Connecticut, both, uh, in fact, there are two proposals by Republicans uh, when it comes to reproductive rights. And this has to do with birth control, uh, not only allowing uh, pharmacists to prescribe and dispense uh, birth control contraception, but also to sell uh, contraception and uh, Plan B, which uh, is the morning after, if, if you will, uh, in vending machines on college campuses. Um, so I think their intent is that if you want to prevent an abortion and give people uh, some protection, uh, you want to make that accessible. So here in Connecticut, um, you see both parties coming together to do that. I'm not sure with this legislation penalizing uh, Walgreens, if you will, it will have that same uh, cooperation. Do you think? Probably not, because it's a huge issue in terms of polarization and really in terms of divide. I think Connecticut's atypical with the collaboration, and it's wonderful to see our hardworking state and reps and state senators working together on this particular issue. But it really is a polarizing issue, and it's an issue that I'm almost appalled how could the government inject so much decision-making between a provider and the patient? You know, it, it almost negates the patient-physician relationship. And now you also have companies making uh, political decisions or based on politics. What implications, if any, do you think that California's governor sends if they do end up canceling a $54 million contract? Would that be enough for Walgreens to say, you know, revisit or rethink, or it really doesn't matter to them or the negative uh, publicity that they're getting? Well, I wouldn't presume to speak for Walgreens, but just in, you know, my humble opinion, um, Governor Newsom is fighting fire with fire. You know, the uh, Republican faction has threatened 
you know, financial sanctions, and Governor Newsom is slapping back and saying the same. You know, I'm sure these retail giants did not expect or anticipate to be in the middle of this political storm. You know, they're almost damned if they do, damned if they don't. Right. Uh, you and I have done this interview now for a few minutes, and I, it's Mifpristone. Is that how you pronounce it? This is the drug so that people, right? Mifpristone. Yes. I'm sure they did not anticipate that. Do you think that other states will do what Connecticut and California are doing? Again, in my humble opinion, I think you'll see a divide. You know, where you have blue states and where you have red states, you'll have a clear divide on this. This is a polarizing issue. And really, it's an issue that moves you to either side of the aisle. Right. I uh, did reach out to Walgreens uh, and they sent a statement saying, you know, they will uh, dispense uh, this abortion drug in uh, states where it's legal uh, to do so. Um, what, if any, uh, impact do you think this will have on women? I know Planned Parenthood thinks that uh, this could put uh, women's health care at risk. It really kind of shuts the door and limits access to uh, important health care decisions. That's exactly right. You know, I think it's just going to have a tremendous, and again, I'm not a clinician, but just speaking as a college professor who, you know, sees an 18 to 20 to 30-year-old population on a regular basis, will have a tremendous impact on, on women's ability to make decisions about their own health care, about women's career choices, about, you know, women's economic stability. Um, it, it just... Almost leaves me speechless to think that we in 2023 are having conversations that, you know, the um, the tail end of the generation before we saw, or we thought they saw. So you know, regardless of your pro-choice or not, it has to do with with women's power in the society. And women's ability to make their own decisions about their own health care. And the government, and again, in my opinion, as a mom, as a woman, does not belong in the middle of my discussion with my provider. I know young women are very concerned about this and young people in general. I've had an opportunity to go to college campuses to talk to people, you know, and I wonder if at some point, you know, people will uh, change where they live. And now we're seeing maybe people change the way they who, who they do business with uh, if they can't get the health care uh, that they need. So there's all sorts of studies on how this will derail women, derail women's career plans. Uh, you know, an unplanned pregnancy in college could really put a woman off a career track, put a woman off the ability to be, you know, economically independent. There's all sorts of studies in previous history in terms of seeking care um, that's not available to you in the state. And remember that ability to move from state to state is limited based on your socioeconomic status. 
and your access to health insurance and things like that. So, you know, it it creates almost like a two-tier system of healthcare related to it. You know, I, the implications are really, the implications for women's place in society are really tremendously impacted by this. And this drug is uh, considered safe and effective by the FDA. And if people can't get that medication, they may take matters into their own hands. And that's unfortunate. That's what, you know, unfortunately, we saw, you know, uh, back in the 50s and 40s and 30s. It's a, We just don't want to see that. Yeah, no, and, and the literature supports that. You know, the literature supports that. And I think that that's important to underscore what you just said, Susan, that this is a deemed safe drug. We have the best clinical trial program, I think, available. You know, there's a lot of criticism that it takes too long to get a drug to the market, that there's too much testing. But in the end, when a drug gets to the market, we have good outcomes. It's efficacious. It's a good thing. And and this drug has been proven to meet the Food and Drug Administration's stringent requirement for 20 years. So it's a safe drug. It sounds like um, that, you know, this is kind of the tip of the iceberg, even though it's been almost a year uh, since this uh, very dramatic court ruling uh, was made, that we're going to see a lot of states kind of trying to figure out what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. And unfortunately, you know, companies are are part of that equation, right? Well, to tell you the truth, you know, as, you know, putting my business professor hat on, I would love to be a fly in the wall during some of these executive conversations at Walmart and CVS, you know, how do they handle this? You know, they're not used to being, you know, a political hot potato. But they, in this particular instance, they're a political hot potato. You know, if they too far to the right, there are implications. If they go too far to the left, there are implications. So how, how do they, you know, I, I would love to hear, to hear or see some of the confidential memos right now. Right. Terms of and you know there's discussions going on in terms of absolutely, absolutely. I'll leave you with this. So you know, Walgreens has come out, and I had a uh, you know a response from them. I did reach out to CVS to see where they are because I believe they also got uh, this same uh, letter from a group of Republican attorneys general. And so far, I have not gotten a comment on what they plan to do. But I think you're right. I think this has opened up a can of worms for. Uh, a lot of states and a lot of companies and, you know, whatever decisions they make, they're probably going to face, uh, you know, uh, whatever, pushback on both sides. So <laughs> with that, uh, it, it is, it, these are dangerous times, I think. And it's, uh, you know, especially if you're of the belief that, you know, government should not be involved in the personal and health decisions of your body. Yeah, and and they're complicated decisions because you have federal law, you have state by state law that varies. You have these two looming cases now in two different districts, in, in federal districts, one in Washington, 
one in Texas, and depending upon how they both are, are resolved, you may see this moving to the Supreme Court. So you may see this visited on that level. Well, Angela, Maddie, I want to thank you for a very a serious conversation as I started out today. And uh, I think, again, this is uh, this is going to continue for a while and we'll have to see uh, what happens. So thank you again for joining us on Real Talk. My pleasure, Susan. And, and thank you for uh, facing the tough issues and having these dialogues. It's very important. So it was my pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening and watching. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye.